Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chosen the Podcast. My name is Father Jacob. And I'm Adam Anton. And today we have a special treat for you. Obviously, we're being live streamed here from Queen of All Saints in Michigan City, Indiana, for a Faith Coach Master's class. The attendees here have been talking a little bit about listening and exploring that in their lives as disciples of Jesus. So the thing is, though, before we dive into it, you know, I think both of us have connections uh, to this parish. And so, Adam, what's your connection been to Queen of All Saints? Queen of All Saints. Um, so the pastor here, Father Kevin Huber, um, I've known him for like a really long time. Um, he gave me my first communion. Uh, he was an associate pastor at St. Patrick in Chesterton, which is my home parish. And um, I don't, do I need to hold that while I talk? Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. Sorry, new thing. We have to pass this back we're, and forth. We're figuring it out. There we go. It's all. Okay, so we just pass it over? Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So St. Patrick in Chesterton is my home parish and Father Kevin, before he got into the vocation office, he was the associate there. So he gave me my first communion. He taught me how to be an altar server. And then, um, after that, we just kept in touch. And so eventually I, um, started discerning the possibility of the priesthood and pursued seminary. So he was in the vocation office. We stayed connected. And then, um, he moved to Queen of All Saints in 2010 and uh, I was in high school, and he was my spiritual director throughout high school. So he's really the one who um, kind of introduced me to Queen of All Saints, really. So, And that was back when there was still the red carpet and um, all that good <laughs> stuff. So I was there for uh, seeing the transformation. Um, but the awesome thing is just seeing how he's transformed the community as well, Just not, not just the exterior, but also just the community that this type of a workshop is happening. So that's super awesome. Um, and then when I was in seminary, I would live with, uh, father Kevin and at the time, father Chris Stanish was here too. So, um, I would stay in the rectory, uh, with them and just, you know, for Christmas break or, uh, things like that. So it was just queen of all saints is, yeah, I, I, I see it as almost like a type of home. Um, but it's, it's just a really great community, but this is actually your home. Like this is your home parish. So fill us in a little bit about yourself. Yeah, indeed. So this is home, of course, uh, being growing up in this parish. So I went to Sunday school here, of course, uh, and was brought up here in the parish. Um, and then also as well, it was a great chance uh, to really just encounter the growth in the community as well as I've kind of, you know, been able to come back as uh, in my journey of uh, becoming a priest. So that's been a great gift. And the big thing, too, was, um, you know, it was like, so you must have lived here then when you were in the college seminary then, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Because I think we never actually lived here when Father Chris and Father Kevin was here at the same time, I don't think. No, I don't but, think we were here at the same time. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah. but yeah, that's part of the journey was, uh, this is one of the first rectories that I lived in when it was here at Queen of All Saints. And so, like, rectory living and, like, kind of seeing firsthand, like, what a priest does every day that they like, you know, 
eat cereal in the morning <laughs> and like have lunch, you know, and then snack go on do, snack yeah. on peanut butter M and M's and right, right, yeah, yeah the, all the all the fun stuff and like normalcy of the priesthood um, as well, and then getting to see also the the community and I'd never been an altar server before until I was in the seminary. Um, and so that was kind of a journey and an adventure. Um, I had altar served like the first time here, you know, like in my twenties. So that was interesting. Um, but, uh, father Kevin has been there along the way, uh, to really, he really showed me and taught me like a liturgical presence. And that's been a great gift. Um, and then of course, all the familiar faces in Sunday school and thinking about these are the people that like taught me who Jesus is and who God is. And then they've like formed me in that. So it's been a great, great gift to think about that. But now I'll tell you what, I'm imp- very impressed by the elevator, the elevator here. <laughs> like I rode it on the way up. It is a nice elevator. I know that sounds weird, but I don't know. It's like, it should be like in the Hyatt and it's at Queen of All Saints, Michigan city It is a nice elevator. So I don't know. Maybe that's just like, the sign of like priesthood, you gravitate towards like facilities and like how nice the bathrooms are or something. Right? It really, it really takes you to the next level. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. That's such a terrible joke. <laughs> that's all right. Well, that's something. I mean, what a way to start the podcast. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so in any case, one of the big things, of course, that uh, the students here and the disciples here that I've been talking about today in this uh, faith master class is the skill of listening. And so we're going to kind of connect that to a few different points and kind of thinking about, of course, the life of Christ and some skills the, that you can use at home too for those watching on the live stream or watching this later on or listening later on for that matter um, about listening and those skills that are so important uh, to us in the li- in our lives as disciples. So where do you think, Adam, where should we start? Well, I would say that probably our best bet is to always start with Christ, right? Like you were saying. So um, in regards to listening um, and the work of discipleship and evangelization, I think that listening is really incarnational um, by its nature. So, um, you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he is the word, but he's the word made flesh, right? So in our work of discipleship and seeking to draw more disciples to Christ, it's it has to go beyond just what we say. It's just how we live. It's um, translated into made flesh. Uh, and so when I think about even my work, um, Carla was talking about my work in counseling, and uh, there's a lot of listening that goes into that. Um, and the way that I view that is through the lens of uh, incarnation. So when I'm sitting across from somebody, uh, my goal is to try to the best of my ability to really enter into their world, um, into their worldview, to, to see things through their eyes. Um, and not, not to the extent that my own sight or vision of a particular issue, because they're coming to me for a different perspective a lot of times, right? To see things differently. But before I can jump into that, I first have to be able to adequately see from their own um, situation what they're facing, what they're experiencing. And that's the reality of the incarnation with our Lord is, um, you know, Jesus didn't come in guns a-blazing uh, 2,000 years ago to correct or... Um, I mean, he even says, I, I have come not to condemn, right, but to save. And he does so through um, vulnerability and uh, intimacy of a child. So I think that uh, in the work of discipleship, both for ourselves and then also in drawing other disciples to Christ, it begins from a stance of um, listening and trying to really grasp uh, what they're facing in their life and, and the challenges there. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, 
thinking about a professional listener in the sense of a counselor, I mean, you're really like, and that embodiment to those people. And I think a lot of people too, um, kind of when they approach a priest, particularly in the, from the perspective of their faith and their challenges, like we kind of have that position in some capacity, but not professionally, of course, or not near the training, you know, that Adam would have in that field of counseling. But what's really interesting to me is like, especially if you think about this, when you're listening to someone else is that people will often ask questions of you or like of me as a priest, you know, sometimes when you think about it and oftentimes I don't actually give them any solutions. Like I don't actually solve their problems. I'll just ask them like, well, have you prayed about that very much? Or like, how do you feel about that thing? Or how has that thing been going? And then as they kind of like continue to talk and share, they eventually kind of find their own solutions. And so it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off of me as I'm not like a professional, like, you know, psychotherapist, counselor, what have you, right? But it can be something that you can probably take too, is that when people come to you and if they see your faith and they know that you're, you're a joyful disciple, then they're going to come to you and share things with you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like you're the solution getter or you're like you're the problem fixer. But I don't know, that might be something that maybe more and more men are inclined to, particularly than women sometimes, I guess. Sometimes I think in, in like, if you think about masculinity versus femininity and like our complementarity and the sexes, I don't know, men sometimes have this initial thing to just be problem solvers rather than listeners sometimes. I don't know, maybe it's just me, like no one's nodding, so I don't know, maybe I'm just generalizing <laughs> or something. Yeah, okay, but uh, but so I don't know. I mean, it just it can just be that, that tendency sometimes and you know, I think about that relationship with my parents or like, you know, with my dad, like he's the go-getter, he's the doer, you know, and that might not be always the best disposition to have immediately. And I sometimes think about that for myself too. But I don't know, thinking more about the life of Christ, I mean, how do you think, and I'm just thinking about this for Adam, like, how do you think Jesus really embodies this idea of listening? I mean, you said he, you know, he came not to, you know, condemn or judge, but rather to save. So like, how does that kind of like rubber hit the road there? Like maybe shed some more light on the life of Christ in that context. Yeah. So I'd say um, it's interesting because you're talking about how when people come to you with particular issues, um, you're not necessarily going to give them an answer. Um, even in the realm of like professional counseling or things like that. Um, a lot of times like in popular culture, like you watch movies and the stereotype is, you know, either people are laying on a couch or they're sitting there and then they go to a counselor for them to like tell them the answers of their life. Um, wait, wait, so you don't have a couch or anything? Is that what you're saying? No, oh, just man. chairs. Okay. Yeah, they're nice chairs though. My <laughs> wife helped me pick them out. So uh, she has better taste than I do. So anyways, um, but yeah, I, I think that what you talked about in terms of asking that question is really where it starts. So it's coming, I think the best stance for discipleship and for evangelization more broadly is from a stance of curiosity rather than correctness. So what do I mean by that? I mean, not, not in the sense, like obviously we as Catholics firmly believe in objective truth, right? Our Lord is very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so it's not to say that there isn't a sense of what is correct and what is not, but in terms of relationally speaking, which is what discipleship is all about. Ultimately, our Lord, when he calls the apostles, calls them to relationship rather than a, a business organization or an enterprise. Um, but it's curiosity. So uh, we were talking a little bit before we got started, and it's amazing. Like, here is Jesus who knows all things, and he asks a ton of questions to people when they approach him, right? So anything from, um, what do you seek? Or what do you desire for me to do for you? 
or um, do you wish to be well? Um, where are you going? Right? Like he, and he knows all things, but he still asks these questions. He encounters um, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. What are you talking about as you walk along? Right? Um, there's something to be said about people having the space and opportunity to articulate how God has encountered and transformed them in their own life. And they're not, they're not usually given that opportunity in the day-to-day. And so if you can offer that as a disciple, um, it, it can be really drawing and attractive. And so I think that's one way that our Lord can kind of teach us. Yeah, so that's kind of the first idea, of course, being, you know, the, the, really the challenge to, um, you know, approach someone with, with openness and really, you know, approaching them with the desire to actually uh, listen to them, you know, and like, you know, resist the, the knee-jerk reaction to like guide the conversation or to kind of, you know, push it a certain way, but really to just meet them and, you know, relationally, just in, in friendship or in love and encounter them in that way. And then I think, uh, you know, another important aspect too, kind of in the next step would be in making sure that they're, they are understanding where you're coming from. So I remember there was a um, experience I had every, uh, every seminarian, they have to do at least uh, 10 weeks in the hospital as a hospital, like intern hospital chaplain. And so I would go from room to room, even though I wasn't a priest yet, they still let me wear the collar and, you know, I had a, a big badge and the, the biggest part of the badge in all red letters was the word intern, like in huge <laughs> letters. So it was like, you know, if this guy screws it up, it's okay. He's the intern. Like, you know, um, so there was, there was four of us in our group of that, you know, that status. And I, I approached a woman and she was reclined in the bed. She was probably in her like late 80s, early 90s. And of course, I'm wearing the collar. I'm wearing a suit coat. I have the chaplain spiritual care intern. And I'm talking with her and visiting with her and praying with her. And then I said, you know, I'm from, I'm from the chaplain's department, the spiritual care department. So if you ever need anything, like, don't be afraid to call us. And then suddenly she starts, like, shifting her hospital gown down to, like, you know, she's like, oh, well, it's right here. And I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? What are you doing? You know, and she's like, oh, oh, what do you mean? I said, I'm from spiritual care. And she said, oh, I thought you were just a really friendly doctor from wound care from wound care. So I have the incision from my, my heart surgery right here. I thought you were going to check on it. It was like, no, 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 I, I don't need to check on that. Like, really, you know, like, <laughs> You're going to need a second opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know anything about that. You don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's okay. Uh, that's not my, that my thing. Um, that's not so, your thing. Yeah. It was yeah, nice. Not, not my department. Um, but you know, there was just this, she was so sweet like that relationship, she already had forged it with me and I had already prayed with her. She just thought I was just a friendly doctor, you know, from wound care this whole time. Um, so it's just important to kind of check in, you know, as you're listening to people or as you're forming those relationships to really check in with them, like make sure that, you know, things are a little more clear and that when you're listening and, and like, you know, taking that in with them, that, uh, you know, like everything's a little more clear, you know, in terms of that clarity, sometimes you can run into that. So oh so i accidentally hit a button and there's like sound i don't know if you can hear it there's sound no, effects on this yeah. <laughs> but um it actually kind of works well with the story it, it worked really well so that will be recorded on the podcast it was a sad trombone sound yeah so so yeah maybe it's providential that was know. that was i thought you did it intentionally i was like wow that was good anyway yeah <laughs> um 
<laughs> so um, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm, I'm all disjointed now. But, yeah, you're uh, gonna recover from that. I yeah. Know, I know. Uh, oh, what I was gonna say was okay. So two thoughts came to mind for that. One is um, encountering people in that level of vulnerability can be kind of daunting, um, and I think that's when you read the gospels and you hear like Jesus send out the disciples and then they come back and they kind of have that response of like, Jesus, let us tell, tell you what we did. Like we drove out these demons and like all this stuff. There was like, you know, going into it, they were probably like, wow, okay, he wants us to drive out demons and heal the sick. That's kind of daunting. And then when they realized that because they went in his name and they knew him, they were able to accomplish these things. They were like shocked and amazed. And I think the same thing can happen with us, but to take a page from the playbook of Christ, once again, if you notice, when Jesus is encountering all of these people, both inviting them into relationship with himself and bringing them healing, uh, he's also very, very intentional about withdrawing by himself, uh, alone to pray from time to time, uh, an opportunity to be alone with his Father um, and to bolster and be present to that relationship. And I think, again, as disciples um, and as people who are seeking to evangelize, ultimately we're wanting to invite people to something, which is namely a relationship that we ourselves have already experienced uh, with Jesus Christ. So if we're going to be effective um, disciples, we have to be attentive to fostering and nourishing our own relationship uh, daily with the Father uh, in the same way that our Lord, the Word made flesh, right, the ultimate um, pinnacle of, of evangelization, uh, does. So that's that's the first piece. But the second piece is um, I'm thinking about the woman that you encountered, and um, I don't know. It's like it kind of surprised me a little bit because on the one hand, I figured like, oh, you know, um, if she was if she had that wound or like I never really liked hospital gowns. I feel like they're so like there's no privacy. They're so like revealing and stuff. And so I think there's a tendency in us to if we have difficulties or struggles like to kind of you know, shield them or keep them to ourself. But at the same time, there are certain people who like, no, let me show you my wound, right? Like there are so many hurts in the world today that like people are crying out, you know, whether they do so in word or in action, they're, they're crying for something more. Um, they're seeking something more. And so if we can be that tangible connection be between Christ and them, if we could be that tassel on the cloak of Jesus to these people who are so like hurting and wounded, um, it can make a difference. And honestly, I think that first and foremost starts with just an element of presence, which is what we've been talking about. So, Yeah, and the big thing, too, is uh, you'll be surprised when people do approach you in these situations or uh, when they see your joy or when they know that, you know, you're connected to your faith, how you are, um, then they, they will notice and they'll be drawn to you and they'll want to share things with you. I remember... Um, like if I remember in the wall, the line at Walgreens, um, I don't know, sometimes like people and I'm not, I'm not wearing clerics, like I'm, you know, wearing plain clothes and, uh, you like give a nod or before mask, if you like give a smile to a certain, you know, to someone just to be friendly or a wave or whatever. And then they're like suddenly telling me about like their medication and like this and that, and you know, their struggles and their joys and their kids. And I don't know, maybe it's like a Midwest, like friendliness, I think that we have sometimes, but um, it's if you have that disposition and are on the lookout for that, then I think more and more, you'll see that more and more and more in our world today that so many people, especially now, you know, with the pandemic are like craving for relationship are craving for friendship and they're just want someone to hear them. And so if we take the time to just listen to them, 
um, and really be attentive to that, then it can really change someone's life. Um, there's, a, there's also stories too, um, I've known, you know, other priests share where people come back to them and they say like, oh, that, that time that you were there for me or did this or that, like that changed my life. And the, the, the another priest, will be, he's just like, I just showed up. Like I didn't do anything. I was just there for this. I didn't even offer like a sacrament or like offer prayer. I was just there. And like people have that in mind. And so I think it's just something important too, that not all the time we have to be doing, but if you're just present to someone and that presence, then it can mean all the difference. And for that matter too, I think if you don't know what to say and you think, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this or that, then just don't. Cause I've gotten burned on that one too. <laughs> like, you know, like someone's grieving and you're like, you're like there was a, there was a doctor, the hospital is really easy for this and that chaplet intern. And uh, their father had just had a brain hemorrhage and he was on life support and they were going to remove the life support. And in the midst of all these tests, they had found stage four cancer that they didn't know about. And the doctor told the family, well, at least he's going to go quick. He didn't have to die of the cancer. <laughs> and we were, it was just like, uh, okay, uh, I think we're going to all go now. Like <laughs> we're going to go out in the hall. Like, I don't know if that's, and then I talked to the, the, the doctor later and was like, you know, I don't know if that would have been the best time for that. You know, that might not have worked out well. Um, so there's just really those moments when, you know, we really, you know, we don't have to be like hypersensitive, but if we don't know what to say, then we don't have to fill the, the space either. We can just let the, let, let our presence speak and that can be more than enough, you know, for people. Yeah. And I think that um, even there's that pressure of, if I'm going to be a disciple, if I'm going to realistically evangelize, I need to know all of these things all, you know, beforehand and I need to be super prepped. Um, we did a, an episode a couple of weeks ago on the podcast uh, about evangelization. And one of my favorite definitions for evangelization is uh, one starving person telling another starving person where to find bread. Uh, and I think that's realistically our, our role. Uh, and Jesus, I think Jesus under understood that. And that's why he says things like, don't worry about what you have to say. You know, the spirit will, will be there to provide it for you. We just have to be willing instruments to take that step out of our comfortability. Um, and, you know, I, I think oftentimes when we do that, we think we're doing this service for this other person or, or changing their life. But when we take our step out of that uh, comfortability, we realize that we're really the ones who are experiencing change as well. Um, and that's the beauty of, of faith, particularly. It's, you know, in, in sharing it with others more uh, that we ourselves are strengthened in it as well. And um, so, and, and that kind of ties in, Father, I think you were going to talk a little bit about the uh, spiritual multiplication. So, Yeah, so um, one of the ways in college that I became more and more involved in my faith was uh, through an organization called FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And they taught very adamantly um, the model of win, build, send, uh, win someone over, you know, establishing that relationship. You kind of think about it now from the perspective of like being an active listener would be kind of be the big point of today, right? And then, of course, once you win that person over in relationship, then build them up and then send them forth, uh, you know, to make more disciples, which is ultimately kind of the whole point. Uh, that's kind of the whole model, I think, of this idea for this program, too, is that you know, as a, as a priest or, you know, and, and someone working for the church or that kind of reality that 
there's only so many people I will come into contact with. And that's kind of the whole idea with forming disciples in our parishes, as mm-hmm. this program is, is, you know, hoping for, is that then you guys will share and embrace that message with anyone that you encounter. Because I won't encounter the people that you encounter around the water cooler or the people down the hall or someone that will see like the crucifix, you know, on your desk or see like, you know, if they ride in the car with you that you have a medal or something, you know, that, that's the way that you can share and evangelize in even the smallest of, of ways. And I kind of thought that honestly, that that whole idea was just I, in college, I was just like, eh, I don't really buy into that. Like, I mean, people will see and they'll notice me maybe, but I don't think that like people will be that changed by this or that really like, I don't know, like, am I, can I really be that impactful? And so uh, one of the, one of the missionaries on the campus uh, that was affiliated with Focus challenged me to start a Bible study with my fraternity brothers. And so it was like, I just showed up, they gave you the printouts and I read off the printouts for the Bible study week by week. The guys shared, we had fraternity time together, you know, in the sense of sharing friendships and three of them like became more practicing Catholics in the midst of that. And one of them was Muslim that converted to Catholicism and is now like on fire for his faith and has a child and is married in the church. And so um, you just never know like what fruit will be born of what you're doing. And I think uh, particularly too in my context now as a priest, that the little ways that you can impact people's lives in the immediate present, you'll most of the time you'll never see how that plays out. So like the smallest of gesture, the smallest moment of love that you can show someone, like you'll probably never see the full fruit of that in your life. But you can trust in God that it will be watered and that that fruit will be born just in ways that you won't see it. So that's kind of this trusting in God that as you form those relationships through listening, that it will all play out in his time in some way. As we've been having this conversation, the question that keeps surfacing in my mind is uh, what informs your life? So um, when you think about the term disciple, uh, it comes from the word from Latin meaning student, right? And then the dicere, which is to learn, right? So when we say that we are disciples of Christ, ultimately what we're saying is that we are his students and we seek to learn from him what it is to experience um, the love of the Father and eternal life. And so if we're living that out effectively, then, you know, as Father touched on earlier, that's going to draw other people uh, to desire to kind of form their life around that same pattern. And um, this whole conversation that we've been having about people talking, you know, coming up to you in a Walgreens and telling you about their new medication and all that, I just think we're constantly trying to make sense of all the experiences that we have in our life. Um, you know, the, the ups and the downs, the sufferings and the joys. That's part of the, the Christian journey. And um, Bishop, uh, Bishop Robert Barron talks a little bit about um, recognizing the pattern. So he, he talked about, you know, the experience. He and a priest friend, they like to read the comics of like a certain newspaper. And um, sometimes, you know, he'd be looking at this comic and like, I don't, I don't understand why this is supposed to be funny. And then the priest would kind of point it out and he'd be like, Oh, okay. Now I understand. I get it. All right. It's funny. So it's, he, at first he didn't recognize the pattern, right? Like why it made sense. And then I feel like in our work of discipleship, we're helping people to recognize the pattern, 
Because outside of a lens of faith or relationship with Christ, um, things that we encounter in our human experience, be it suffering, be it loss, um, be it pain, uh, if w- without the lens of Christ, it, it doesn't always have a pattern. And that's where, you know, there can be sadness, difficulty, despair. Um, so being that tangible um, connection with Christ to be able to offer that lens and that that pattern for people to uh, to see. So, uh, and and even going off a little bit more about the spiritual multiplication, um, and I think Carla had mentioned there was some conversation about it earlier today, but, you know, ultimately Jesus didn't... Um, go with a bullhorn, right, up up the mountain and get as many people as he could all at once. Like, well, granted, the Sermon on the Mount, there's 5,000 people there. That's a lot of people. But um, initially, that was not the first step. The first step was I'm going to gather, like, three or four guys from a boat uh, off the Sea of Galilee, and then I'm, I'm going to, like, teach them. And then they're going to then hopefully connect with three or four people themselves. And then those three or four people are going to connect, right? So once you light the fire, it just kind of spreads. Um, and so if, again— living your life of discipleship, if it's kind of daunting, you know, we're not all like, you know, Billy Graham in the 1950s where you're packing stadiums and sharing the message that way. It's, yeah, this is my neighbor and we get together every Tuesday for a cup of coffee just to chat. And that's going to be my point of evangelization or my means of sharing discipleship or like you were talking about the water cooler. Uh, I don't know a lot of places that have water coolers, but. And during COVID, it's not allowed, right? Yeah, you can't do that. That's not allowed. Um, Yeah, not allowed. (laughs) So, uh, chosen the podcast does not endorse that. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyways, so finding those intimate points of uh, connection with people and allowing, allowing ourselves to remember that we are instruments, but we're not the director of of what we're doing. Right? Like we, uh, we just need to, as is often talked about, sow the seed. And allow the father to take care of the rest and trust that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Like, I hope, I hope that uh, you know our listeners, you know, here present, but also as well that will hear this uh, later on um, or what have you. I mean, of course, the story. You know, you think about like the wound care or you know, like that that doctor. I mean, there's just all kinds of different ways in our lives that we'll encounter these very real things and. I mean, or like for that matter that we don't endorse the water cooler, but I mean, it's, it's, it's safe to say though, I think that more people will be drawn if we're okay with laughing at ourselves and, you know, making a joke of ourselves sometimes and having that sense of humor to encounter that. Uh, that's kind of part of the joy, I think, of the gospel of not taking ourselves too seriously that I think that people ultimately will be drawn to. I think so many times, um, one of the biggest misconceptions about, I think, people that see, like, a priest or, like, you know, especially, like, the unchurched, people that are kind of on the fringes uh, that don't really know too much about our Catholic faith, they think that, like, I'm the ultimate, like, judge, and I just have, like, a gavel, and I'm, like, ready to, like, judge them or, like, beat them into submission, or um, they're they're kind of, uh, I think, a little bit of fear sometimes, too, in seeing, um, you know, that someone will challenge them and call them to task. And I think it's really visible, you know, with priests that, you know, they recognize that, you know, I'm a priest and that they can see that sometimes. But it could be something that you would encounter too, that as people, as they recognize that you're gravitating and a disciple and you're close to the church and gravitating to the church, 
And if you have like those images or you have a cross on your desk or what have you, then that's that's another thing to be mindful of uh, when that listening process is that some people might project their insecurities, their own fears about their own relationship with God onto you. And it can be, uh, you know, a challenge to overcome, to realize like, you know, actually, I'm not going to judge you because I struggle with these things too, or I'm not going to condemn you because then, you know, I'm really be condemning myself because I'm struggling with the same things that you do. Kind of being able to connect with them over that can be helpful too in that listening journey. So if I were to say um, a classroom in the gospels where listening is really well put on display and uh, evangelization is seen very clearly, it'd be on the road to Emmaus. Um, A lot of spiritual commentators have talked about how, um, you know, here are these two disciples, they're leaving uh, Jerusalem and they're going to Emmaus. And um, a lot of times there is, especially with um, the Gospel of Luke, Jerusalem is kind of the, the place where God dwells, right? Where salvation happens, where the crucifixion and resurrection takes place. So when people in Luke talk, when it says in Luke that they're leaving Jerusalem, it's kind of like a little indicator that they're going the wrong way. And um, so Jesus encounters them as they're leaving Jerusalem. Jesus encounters them as they're going the wrong way. And he doesn't immediately say, you're going the wrong way, turn around. He approaches them and he says, like, what are you guys talking about as you go along? Um, Which I think that is a key for discipleship is a a willingness to ask open-ended questions, which is very foreign to us in small talk, like in our daily life, even more so with COVID now, like everybody's just so siloed and like distanced and everything. But I mean, small talk is just very short. Uh, even if it sounds like an open-ended, we all kind of are like, no, nah, it's not really. It's like, how are you? Okay, good. How are you? And then it's just very short. But um, so asking open-ended questions and allowing people to really articulate. Um, so anyway, Jesus encounters them and uh, walks alongside them. And they're like, oh, haven't you heard about all this? And he's like, well, what sort of things? And so he allows them to share, right? And so like, as we encounter people, allowing them to share their life. And then at a certain point, it talks about how Jesus through starting with, you know, Moses and going through the scriptures points to where he was made known, right? So then we we then add in the life of the gospel to these people's experiences. And um, and so I think, and then by the end of the story, Jesus is made known in the breaking of the bread. And then what does it say? It says they go back to Jerusalem, right? So if we're patient, if we encounter people where they are, if we ask open-ended questions, um, that that encounter, which can oftentimes be so different than what we experience, it changes hearts. It changes people. So, yeah. And I think as we kind of wind down hitting that 35 minute mark for our usual time that we try and keep the episodes for, I think the best example that I think will continue to be a model uh, for all of this is not, you know, not only, of course, if we talked about today, Jesus, of course, like par excellence, but um, more someone too, like in the in the realm of the saints, would be the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, I mean, when we think about her and we think about like the expectations that she had, and then she's very attentive uh, to those changing expectations as she knows God's will in her life, and she listens and is very open uh, to them. But especially in in Luke's Gospel, you know, when it says, "And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart." You know, she's pondering all them in her heart. So I think for us, you know, we can really, uh, you know, it's it's easy to, you know, like we talked about a little bit, jumping to other things or, um, you know, kind of 
keeping that conversation short or cutting it off, but rather just being open. And if we ask those open-ended questions and meet people where they are, then we can be prepared to really uh, have people really have that relationship with us and have that relationship of friendship with us, but really kind of pour themselves out to us uh, and being able to hear that and, and be vulnerable with them and meet them where they are will be, will pay off incredible dividends, you know, in their, in their life of faith. So I think, uh, I think we can sign off there. What do you think, Adam? What are you thinking? No, yeah, it's, it's good. All right. Awesome. Well, this has been our uh, little episode from the Faith Masters class here at Queen of All Saints and Michigan City. So for all of you uh, listening or tuning in at another time, be sure to follow us on social media or on Facebook and Instagram. As we mentioned in the little intro before, uh, Molly Adams' wife is an incredible uh, person that helps us with all of our social media, kind of like our producer, and helps the titles for the episodes. So yeah. now that we, now that Molly's heard the episode, maybe she'll have a, a title, uh, you know, for the for the rollout of the release. Not not now. No, don't worry, Molly. I'm not going to put you on the spot. So, um, <laughs> but, but but we're doing we're doing questions, right? Yeah, doing questions and answers. Yeah, sure. So let's go ahead and transition over to the Q and A time. So, mm. can someone help me with the microphone? <laughs> nice. So I know don't all raise all your hands at once for the Q&A, but yeah. uh, now we'll have Q&A. <laughs> So before you answer, we added the microphone back. Yeah. yeah. And basically, <laughs> yeah, there we so go. So for, uh, for the podcast listeners, um, the question is how to basically, how does adequacy play into our, our life is of discipleship? If we feel like we don't know enough, or if we feel like we have our own shortcomings, how can we adequately fulfill that call from the Lord? I think that's what I was hearing from you. Um, what do you think, father? Um, I mean, oh, I have to put that back to my face. Sorry. Um, you would be in good company you would be in the best of company. Because, I mean, if you look at the lives of the apostles, I mean, like, those guys, I mean, they went to the ends of the earth to spread the gospel. They were, like, charged with that, and they did it, and all but one of them died for it. Um, but then you look at, like, their journey to that point, and some of them at certain times were, like, the worst. <laughs> they were not very good at what they were doing. I mean, Peter, like, denies our Lord, I mean, of course, we know the story of Judas and his betrayal um, and that reality, too, of like their own failures, like the story of James and John that want, you know, to sit at his right and sit at his left. They want the glory and honor. I mean, so it's just, it's just a reminder and to bear in mind that the apostles, I mean, were like the best and like evangelists to spread the word, but they also were human and they were imperfect and they had plenty of imperfections to go around all of them. Um, not to mention they were like poor to middle class, like fishermen in the middle of nowhere that kind of, you know, came together with Jesus in order to share this message. So if you feel inadequate, then I think you're in the best of company. I mean, not to mention like, I mean, I often feel inadequate. So, I mean, you kind of wonder, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think now at like month nine, I'm finally comfortable with how to say mass finally. So, like, the order of Mass. So, that only took, like, nine months. So, you know. 
I think uh, just really quickly to add on that, um, I think having that understanding of our own shortcomings is actually a really helpful stance for discipleship and evangelization because it's ultimately, you know, you see this in the writings of someone like Therese of Lisieux. Um, it's recognizing our smallness that we're able to recognize God's magnitude of love and mercy. Um, so if we have that awareness, it can be um, a really helpful uh, stance for us to to be effective in our work. So, um, yeah, the little way, it's a good one. So. Nice. Awesome. Are there any other any other questions? All right. Well, Sweet. okay, good deal. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and sign it off there. You know, thank you all again uh, for your attention and uh, for, you know, your desire to say yes to the Lord, to enter into this program, to become intentional disciples in a very real and tangible way. You know, this is what we need more of in our world and in our church. So thank you for your yes. And as I mentioned, as I almost, you know, was signing off the episode <laughs> earlier and Adam, you know, saved me there. Um, but uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, as I mentioned, and then you can listen to the podcast or recommend the podcast to friends or family or what have you um, through any mainstream or any regular podcasting platform. Uh, and so you can find all of that on our social media. So I'll give the last word to Adam. Adam, what do you think? We're just really happy to have had the opportunity to be here at Queens and uh, to be with you uh, this afternoon. And uh, we pray that the remainder of your time here is uh, grace-filled and also the, the work that you do leaving here continues to be grace-filled as well. So signing off, God bless. All right, God bless everyone. Thank you.